Welcome to another episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. I am Aisham Hipshire. I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Tanny Santucci. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Let's get it going. I think I, I, think I screwed up your name, Tanner Santucci. Close enough. Yeah, yeah. We, you guys get the gist by now. Guys, today we have none other than the man himself in the studio. And for those of you who are not looking and you're, and you're listening, I, I want to uh, give the, this gentleman the respect he deserves before I, I roll the name out there. Uh, but nonetheless, this is a, a person who, when I first got, got brought into the astro flipping environment, uh, one of the first things I did was looked around for different group experts to network with um, because I viewed myself as an A player. Um, and I saw, you know, a list of names uh, and I saw this guy, Mahmoud Issa, and uh, his, just his picture and his demeanor and everything. I'm like, okay, this, this guy is a dude who I want to get to know for some weird reason. I just, I feel like, like we're going to work together. We're going to get to know each other. I just felt it in my bones. And then moving forward uh, through just the, the little bit of time that I've, I've been in the group, I've been able to be on uh, Mahmoud's calls. He, he has a call that he does inside the environment or inside of our, our community where it's just, it's phenomenal. The, the insight that Mahmoud is going to lend today on the show, the mindset, the way his brain works, I just found out his age and my mind is blown. I thought Mahmoud was older than me. He just, he has so much knowledge. Uh, he has, he, he's just an old soul, as, as I say. So Mahmoud Isa, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Great, man. Thanks for having me, guys. This is Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I, uh, you know, this show's a little different. You know, we say this a lot. Uh, we don't want to dive too much in on the tactics and whatnot, because there's plenty of that out there. You know, you've you've headed up a lot of uh, Jamil's big uh, challenges and programs, and you're always a guest on there, lending your insight uh, with all the other experts that he has on. Um, and so there's plenty of content out there, guys, if you want to if you want to find the how to's. Uh, from Mr. Mahmood, but we want to talk about the how to get to the how to's, the, the mindset. Um, and to me, you know, it's the most important thing. What's in between your ears? That's, that's what gets you the deals. That's what gets you from deal to deal to deal, at least in my, in my, you know, observance and perspective. So Mahmood, I wanted to start off, man, just by kind of going way back in the time, because I really feel it's valuable for people to learn someone's kind of family dynamic and their, their upbringing, because I feel that that really sets a, a beautiful foundation for how we can build on top of that and how you got to the success that you're currently having right now. So give us a little insight on, on, your, on your background, maybe you know where you live and a little bit about your family and your upbringing. That'd be super helpful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, so I was uh, <clears throat> grew up in in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, California. Um, lived here pretty much my uh, entire life. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, my parents were were uh, Middle Eastern immigrants, so um, I mean, we kind of lived in a pretty sheltered, um, culture controlled household and stuff. You know, parents kind of wanted to you know, make sure you're not getting in too much tr trouble and influenced in a way that's, you know, not in accordance to how they want you to be influenced and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I grew up in kind of a, you know, nice suburb, like a uh, town for most of my, my life. Um, until, what did your parents do for a living? Um, <clears throat> my mom was, she just, you know, was a stay at home mom. My dad was uh, um, a, uh, owned a structural engineering company. Yeah, he did his uh, um, his uh, graduate, you know, master's, PhD education at UC Berkeley. It's kind of what brought us out to the Bay Area in the first place. And, nice. um, you know, it was largely my dad um, who kind of uh, influenced, had this huge influence of education on us and, you know, wanted us to really adopt um, education in the household and sure. you know, always study now and you'll have a better future later and work hard in school and you know you'll never have you know you work harder now and you'll play harder later and that was kind of the the uh, the uh, the overall dynamic at home was kind of just like you know um, don't have too much fun work more study more so I was uh, essentially trained to be a workaholic since I was maybe seven years old Okay. You know, so I was seven years old. It was kind of go play outside for 30 minutes after you've done your four hours of homework, 
um, you know, video games only on Friday nights, Saturdays and Sundays are for studying Monday through Fridays for school. Um, it was kind of like that. And so I was kind of conditioned to, uh, be a workaholic, to work hard, to, uh, postpone pleasure basically since I was a young infant, since I was a toddler and the same goes for all of my siblings. And, um, you know, that, that served us, uh, well in terms of the, you know, in terms of our education, I mean, right. um, me and all my siblings went to, you know, top 20 us world class institutions for, for our, um, bachelor's and postgraduate, um, educations. Um, and, you know, follows kind of in the footsteps of my dad and, and all of that. And, you know, that was largely what my, uh, <clears throat> what, um, was kind of in store with me. I mean, I, uh, I uh, went to high school because my family in 2009, um, we moved from the Bay Area to uh, Jordan in the Middle East because my mom wanted to be closer to her parents, to our grandparents. So we kind of just uh, um, moved out there. So I spent four years in the Middle East um, where I attended high school, finished up high school, and then uh, moved back by myself, San Diego, where I did my um, four years of undergrad. Um after which I moved up to the Bay Area for my master's. So I kind of was born in the Bay Area, went to the Middle East, San Diego, and then back to the Bay Area. Kind of went full circle. Then. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> which is fun. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of uh, a big thing was like, you know, it was education. That was kind of, I think, and, it, you know, when you're in college too, the great thing about it is you really do get a chance to, build yourself and discover who you are, discover, you know, how you are in certain social situations, what you like, what you don't like, and really discover what, you know, subject matter of the world you like most like to engage with. Sure. Um, which was fantastic. Right. And, um, you know, I took and, you know, got to delve deep into an exposure into subjects like, you know, neuroscience, psychology, deep philosophy, um, engineering, mathematics, astronomy, like every, everything that, you know, you can think of in terms of like um, college subject classes is kind of what our, my college kind of exposed me to. And so I really got a chance to learn about, you know, what I most like, you know, about how to really interact with my environment, you know? Sure. Uh, And uh, yeah, I uh, ended up, um, majoring and specializing so majoring in chemical engineering but specializing in uh, material science and nanotechnology and then i just fell in love with uh you know um you know nano engineering research and just the field the industry of basically you know it's centered around how do you manipulate um materials on the molecular level how do you actually change the structure of a material at the chemical level, molecular level, and how does that affect the physical properties on the macro scale, the electrical properties, the, you know, like um, thermal properties. And so, you know, it's basically the science of how do I alter materials at a, at a small scale, at a nanoscale sure. to, to, to produce materials that have effects, desired effects on the large scale. So, you know, which applications are endless right in terms of um you know medical um applications food applications um military like aviation absolutely uh, you know even entertainment right you have like virtual reality um you know um materials i mean i i worked for a year at a company that was making these like gloves that you would wear and they would essentially produce haptic physical feedback on the receptors of your fingers to make you feel like you're actually immersed in a virtual reality space. So you'd be able to feel textures of like leathery or soft or rough, um, pick up a ball in your hand and feel it. And I would kind of, you know, help kind of design these devices. So I really got a chance to um, dabble in a field that I enjoyed and continued um, in this field, field of nanoengineering in my master's. And um, it was about 2020 where I, uh, Finished my master's and I essentially had a chance to uh, either continue to my PhD. I got admitted into Cornell University um, or to get into real estate. So it was basically Cornell or astroflipping. And 
Jamil won. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, one hundred and fifty thousand dollar ride to Cornell over. Uh, I picked Astro Flipping over basically one hundred fifty thousand dollar full ride to Cornell, where they would pay me a stipend of like you know a lot of money each year to study PhD there. So I picked Astro Flipping over that, and you know I haven't really looked back since. Dude. Okay. So I got to jump in now, you know, so we were talking about college and then, uh, you know, grad school and then, okay, now we're, we're at a level. Do we go with the PhD or do we go Astro? When did real estate even come on the radar? Um, so real estate came on the radar, I think in early 2020. So right while I was waiting for my admission, um, results to come for my PhD applications. And, uh, I basically came like I would kind of uh, get these videos on my feed about, um, you know, like uh, people who didn't go to school, you know, like 16 year olds making a million dollars on the Internet and stuff like that. So I kind of just watch that stuff to just kind of make fun of it a little bit with my sure. friends and joke about it. It's like, come on, like this is no fucking way to live. <laughs> that's so yeah. true. Yeah, I can make money online and you can too. Sign up to my program. I was like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> so I would see all of this stuff and kind of just, you know, watch it just to kind of see what, you know, what are they actually like, who the hell is even, you know, buying this, you know, like, and uh, you know, a lot of it was scam stuff that I would see. And then, um, and then I actually started, you know, um, uh, it kind of got in, took me into a rabbit hole. These videos took me a rabbit hole where now actual real legit, um, financial advice videos would start to come. So the algorithm, sure. basically me looking for like the, the, the kind of like the bad, like kind of scammy right. money now videos kind of right. the YouTube algorithm send me some pretty good stuff about financial advice and investment decisions. And so I would, now it basically turned into me essentially um, going to rabbit hole of, you know, um, Warren Buffett videos, Donald Trump videos, a bunch of investors really kind of breaking down strategies and, and kind of, you know, started getting, watching stock market videos, like, I just really kind of learning like macroeconomics, microeconomics. So I started kind of me coming from a place of engineering. I started kind of watching all of this business and financial content and kind of engaging with that and just, you know, being like, you know, I've never really learned about money things before. Um, might be cool to kind of educate myself just in life. You know, it's going to be helpful. I was like learning. So maybe I've neglected kind of the financial aspect of my knowledge a little bit. So let's, let's kind of feed the brain in that sense. Um, and then, uh, yeah, started, uh, listening to some audiobooks. Um, I think I, I, I read, you know, listened to think and grow rich, uh, 10 X, uh, um, Grant Cardone's. Yeah. Yeah. The grand, Cong or the, yeah. The, the, the 10 X method. I forget the one with the big yeah. 10, the X on the cover, that one. Um, and, uh, like a few other books, I, I think I read like maybe eight, 10, we didn't really listen to full, like eight to 10 audiobooks just on, on uh, investing, real estate investing, negotiation, just business skills stuff. Um, and then um, I, I, what really kind of <clears throat> um, got me interested was just real estate investing in general. And, you know, how and I had met people in college and their parents were very wealthy real estate investors. So I was like, OK, this kind of seems cool. Um, so I started kind of learning more about that. And in Grant Cardone's book, he talked about that and it started to kind of come up to me as something that would be pretty interesting to just kind of learn about. Um, uh, and then I got pretty um, deep into it as a concept. So I joined my local RIA and during in 2020, that the, the RIA meetings were Zoom meetings. So I would kind of just go to those and <laughs> made really good friends with the leader of my RIA group. And, you know, um, I kind of told him like, you know, for somebody like me, who's, uh, you know, trying to do his PhD in um, and kind of, uh, you know, invest in the side, what would be a good way to go about that? And he said, you know, um, either like, uh, um, you know, like, uh, I think he, he said basically, um, I forgot this. He was basically saying like a low liability buy and hold strategy or I'm trying to remember the name, but he, he said that or wholesaling. And I was like, okay, I'll learn about wholesaling. He said with wholesaling, you don't even have to 
basically have any money and then you can just go in and make money and then you can use that money to um, invest and actually buy your own properties. And so <coughs> he recommended this wholesaling strategy. And so I basically went through a, the Jerry Norton YouTube rabbit hole on that. Mm. Uh, learned the the basics of, of, uh, of wholesaling. Um, almost did a deal within my, you know, within a week of kind of YouTubing stuff. I kind of, uh, I, I got a property under contract, but it was locked up a bit too high. It's canceled. But I also thought, you know, it was kind of a cool little, um, little, uh, experience experience, but yeah, I mean, for me, it was kind of what really got me into real estate was, I wanted to kind of just learn about it. I didn't even think it would be a career. I didn't really even take it that seriously, to be honest, but it was more of, I had to kind of sit by myself for a second and just think like, you know, do I pick what I love to do in life or do I pick what makes, what I know is going to make me more money. And that's a real kind of um, ethical, emotional conundrum that you could probably write a 10 page college essay on, right? Is do you pick the thing that's going to make you more money? Right. Or do you pick the thing that you love more? And for, for sure. Me, I love engineering to this day. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm honest to say I love the concept of material science and engineering a billion times more than I'll love real estate. I'll actually never love real estate as much as I do engineering. And it'll be that way till I die. I know that. But the conundrum is, in this case, in this, for the sake of your family, your future family, your loved ones, the people that rely on you on your life, do we have a responsibility to do what is going to be um, more of a to provide a better life for those that are um, in your life? Do we have a responsibility to pick what's better for them if we know a way that's better? So it's like if I know I can make two hundred thousand dollars a year with my engineering skills or $200,000 a month with real estate because the $200,000 a month will provide better for my family. Do I have a responsibility to do that? Because I know that I'm capable of it regardless if I like it or not. Is it a, is it a responsibility? That was the ethical conundrum that went on in my mind. Mm, sure. And sure. so I was like, you know what? Maybe I do have an actual you know, responsibility to do that. I mean, I, at that point I was, I think I had about $175,000 in student debt. You know, I never knew what it was felt like to have $5,000 in the bank at the same time before. <coughs> so, I mean, I, I thought that, you know, it would be something that would be life-changing. And I also thought of it as something like, if I know how to solve, you know, non, you know, um, like, uh, uh, you know, like nonlinear partial differential equations that fill up basically 20 pages of math. Like I can sell a freaking house, like anyone can. So I was like, all right, you know, if this is what it takes to, you know, make a ton of money, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. And um, yeah, I mean, I, and you know, still the plan is, is the same, right. Is kind of, I've essentially decided it's, it's kind of like the philosophy of, you know, when you step when you when you when you wake up in the morning, Isham, and you uh, Isham, and you go in and you step out of the door of your house, you put your shoes on, right? Now, when you put your shoes on, are you passionate about shoes? Is your entire life around your shoes? No. Why do you wear your shoes? Because you just in this life, you when you go outside, you put shoes on. Shoes are right. <laughs> when you go in your car and you drive to the grocery store. Did you do a five-year degree on driving? Is driving something you think about? No, you do it because you need to drive and to function in this world and society. Driving is kind of important now. That's my relationship with money. That's my relationship with real estate. I do it because you, I know how to do it. It's important to do it. Money's important. We do it. Because so how do you stay? Let me ask you this then. If, if, if you're more passionate per se about engineering, how do you stay fired up? about real estate because I feel like money sure is a big factor in terms of your, a why per se, but how do you stay fired up every day? If real estate isn't actually your passion, what about real estate keeps you fired up? Yeah. I think what keeps me fired up about real estate the most um, is the superposition, the overlap, the superimposing overlap that I've seen now between um, real estate and, um, 
the two things, the real world impact I have on others' lives and the um, social um, life aspect of it. So for me, real estate, sure, it's satisfying, you know, the basic need of financial sustenance for me and my family. Fantastic. But it's also providing me a way to make an impact on um, not just on, you know, you know, thousands of people, but the thousands of people that they go to impact. So I can actually start to really make an actual tangible difference, you know, not a, you know, difference of, you know, like, uh, um, you know, sign this petition to save the whales, like an actual <laughs> real impact and tangible. Yeah. Something real tangible that I can, you know, um, I can get calls from people saying, you know, you really helped, you know, helped us get into this and thank you. So it's the impact and it's also the social life, the experience. I mean, I can go into fly into a, any major Metro city across in the country, in, in the country now, and, you know, go to like a real estate meetup and, you know, 15 people will know me and I'll be able to hang out with them and I'll be able to, it's friends all over the country. I mean, what more can you want than people, you know, they're like-minded that, you know, to have this family, cause I'm a very family oriented person. I value friends and family. So to be in a place yeah. where I can, uh, the sense of community where I can kind of just have fun and hang out with people and, you know, just, you know, exist and have a great, you know, friendship experience with so many people. I live for that. Right. So it's really that, the friendship aspect and the impact aspect is what makes it kind of fun um, and meaningful. That's where the meaning comes in. And then obviously, you know, it's kind of like the financial aspect of, um, you know, building them pretty insane, working towards building an insane amount of wealth for me and my family, legacy, future generations, all that good stuff. Um, but I also consider real estate as something that um, is, is, uh, is, you know, it's going to be a temporary, temporary thing um, in terms of my, my, well, all, it's going to go on forever, but my full on week being about real estate is going to go away eventually. Right. So sure. I'll have my company, I'll have my, my, um, my, um, you know, uh, portfolio, my holdings, all of that stuff. And, um, and then I get time to focus on doing what I love. And isn't that why people become financial free so they can focus on what they love, right? And what they love 100%. Some people, they, you know, build these insanely wealthy portfolios and they go and they travel the world with their family, with their two kids and their, their wife. Some people, you know, they go and um, they use it to, you know, fly all across the country talking about, you know, real estate and helping other people. Um, some people spend it on a yacht. Some people like there's there's so many different things that people build financial uh, freedom to accomplish. But the thing about being financially free where you have comfort and you have the freedom to do whatever you want is that the true colors of what makes you happiest show when you don't have to worry about money. It's like, what acts are you doing when you don't have to worry about money? Like, what Sorry. are you actually doing? That's how you get to the core of what you love. And so I ask myself that. Would I be in Venice? Would I be in Italy? Would I be with a, my family? What, what would I be doing? And honestly, honestly, I would be in a research lab trying to figure out some sort of material that's going to help beat cancer, like something like that. Uh, that's what I would do. Um, and then I would probably build a company around that and scale that. And I have business experience, you know, building a multi-million dollar, you know, real estate company. So I'd be able to, you know, be one step closer towards doing that. So it's like, you know, I believe in profit first, money first, get yourself situated and then have fun. So for me, I associate, I associate work hard with real estate, play hard with go do science. It's fun. That's awesome. <laughs> that Dude, awesome. Everyone's a little different. That's Not many me. people would say that. So that's a testament like, to you. <laughs> so like the same responsibility that comes with make a lot of money, then buy Lamborghini, not Lamborghini, then buy a lot of money. It's buy a lot of money, then do science, not do science, then make a lot of money. That's just how it works for me. I think about, I think like one of the most important things that you just uh, uh, kind of laid out there is the importance of self-awareness, 
you know, I, I, I've come man over, over the last few years, you know, especially at this level where I'm at in life, where I've, I've come to understand, wow, how important being self-aware is, you know, I think we can, we can fall prey very easily to the social norms, you know, this is expected of me or man, I should be doing this by this date and whatnot. When, when you can wipe yourself free of all that and just be self-aware, knowing who you are and knowing that you're taking the actions for your own reasons and not for, for what everyone thinks you should be or or whatnot. I think that's the most important part. And, you know, a a friend of mine told me a while back, he said, uh, I don't know. He said, I, I, I heard this, but I don't think it really came from the Bible, but it's thou shalt not bullshit thyself. And uh, I thought that's hilarious one, but it's, it's so true, you know? And I think the fact that you know who you are and you can honestly move forward in life knowing that, I think that's important. You know, there may be people that are listening to this podcast that are like, man, I saw this as a way out. You know, when I first saw this opportunity, I saw this as a way out financially. I'm not passionate about real estate though, but man, you know, I, I feel like I could win here, but all these people seem like this is what they want to do for the rest of their lives you know, but I'm just not that way. So kudos to you, brother, for, for being real with yourself and and sharing that and shining a little light, you know, in in that arena. Um, so thank you. Thank you for your self-awareness. But, and and I do want to ask, um, because Tanner brought up a really good point. Um, so engineers, uh, well, this isn't really to, to Tanner's point, but engineers are notorious for, analyzing stuff, right? Like they're usually, I come from a sales background and anytime we had an engineer that we're trying to sell stuff to, it was like our worst person because they wanted to take the time and really figure things out and really think things through um, before we were like, look, just commit, just sign, you know, there's no need to overthink this thing. Um, but I felt like, I felt like I was taught that like engineers have this mind where they really need to analyze stuff. Did you have that problem when you first got started where you felt the need or were you just an action taker? Um, I feel like I succeeded because I was like that. I think, I think my, my tendency to, to analyze is what kind of made me kind of kind of fast lane a hundred miles per hour past everybody else for sure for a long time was because I was super analytical. Cause the thing with engineering, it's kind of like, um, engineers are basically like, how does this work? I need to know how I need to know everything about it. I need to be able to take the car apart and then put it back together. Like I need to know exactly why. And the reason that's important is because when you know, when you're constantly looking to see how things work and what they're kind of composed of, you're, you're, you're able to establish um, the fundamental truths about a concept or the fundamental truths about a principle, right? The fundamentals, the things that are objectively this or, no, or objectively that. Now, once you know the objective truths and you are 100% like honed in on the objective truths, you can start to use those objective truths as a foundation to build stuff on. Right. So, you know, for example, building a successful real estate business starts with having a very like undivided mastery on the basic principles, like complete, complete mastery in the basic principles. So it's like, you know, you, it's kind of like you can't build a 60 foot, you know, 60 story tower on a, on a, on a shaky foundation, right. All right. The heck over, especially when you're scaling a real estate company or any company, as a matter of fact, if you, if we don't take the time to know the basics, they're not going to translate over when they start to become the complicated, you know, the Mm, basic is the basic you use wacky principles of complicated stuff. It, it, things start to, bad things start to happen. And so, for me, what, what, you know, um, the, the analysis part is kind of what helps me a lot is because whenever I look at a process, I think of, whenever I look at any sort of concept, I think about what makes this true, how does this work? And if I could flow chart this out into seven or eight steps, what would, what would each step look like and what are they? Then you can build on them. So, now, did you actually do that? Yeah, yeah. I do that for, yeah, I've. That's how I built my, my business. So give some insight to, to 
Because it's kind of unique. Most most people like I'm I'm opposite of you. Aisha will know Aisha will know that instantly. <laughs> I'm the just go take action. I'll screw up, learn later, and then retake the action and learn. But, but later. you screw up and then you learn. Right. And then you screw up and then you so you screw up, you learn and then you adapt, and then you screw right. up, you learn and you adapt. Right. Absolutely. What you're doing and you don't even know it is you're practicing use of the scientific method. You're having a hypothesis. You're saying, okay, you know, like. I have an idea. This is going to work. You do an experiment and you're like, fuck, that didn't work. And then you have your results and you're, then you go, all right, my conclusion is we're never doing that again, or we're totally doing this again. Then you have another hypothesis, either this works or this, we're not doing this again. And then you run it again. And then you get a little bit closer to success until you hit a new hurdle. And then you have a new result. You reassess hit your conclusion, and then you keep going into this feedback loop. That's the scientific method. You are doing that without even noticing that you're doing So how, give some insight then to, to those that aren't like me and more maybe towards the analytical mind. And, and that's kind of where they're stuck in that analysis paralysis phase because they're, they think they're trying to learn almost, is there a point to where you can learn too much before you start taking action? Or is no. there, or you don't think there is? How I long did it take I, you, I guess, from the moment you learned to the moment you got your first deal done? And like, what well, did that time in, well, in here's between the point? Here's the thing. It's people kind of confuse um, analyzing for overthinking. They're actually mm-hmm. two completely different things. And I think we on this show, we really need to make the yes. distinctions. So analyzing something is digging deep and into what is like what are the root principles for how this works and then what steps do i take to make it happen and then now after i analyze it i have a route to take action overthinking is when you falsely over assume results on things that didn't occur yet so you basically say okay if i do this then i'll do that um but what if this bad things happens, then this bad thing will happen after that. And then I'll get this. So maybe I shouldn't start. But if I do this and then this thing happens from that, then what this happened, everything will go to go to hell. Also, maybe I shouldn't start. So it's kind of like the overthinking. It's usually like falsely assuming um, negative process steps from happening in series. That's usually what overthinking is known to mean. Analyzing is just basically, you know, What's the plan? What are the steps? How do I execute the steps? And let's do it. Got so you. So if you're if you're thinking and over and analyzing are two completely different things. <laughs> I love that. I'm so glad you cleared that up. It, it's something I'm very I'm passionate sure. about. I just had a conversation earlier with a, a a newer wholesaler who called me up who was kind of in that in that frame of of hey man I'm I'm stuck I've been stuck for a little while um, and as we talk through that was the issue he he he's a he's an, I want to say an overthinker, but he's a person who likes to really kind of have his ducks in a row before he gets started. And I said, man, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll let you finish that. Oh yeah. yeah. And so anyways, my, my encouragement to him was exactly what you said. I wanted to draw out the difference, you know, the parallels, you know, they're pretty parallel, but there's, you can just go just a little too far far, and now you've crossed over from analyzing to overthinking. Um, Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like this, like, like let's use wholesale real estate as an example. Right. And there's so many ways where people can kind of overthink and, you know, be like, Oh man, my offers aren't going to get accepted or I can't find buyers or it's, this is, this is the overthinking is the extrapolation of um, negative outcome that didn't happen that results in a negative outcome that didn't happen. So it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, my, you know, like, if I cold call buyers aren't going to want to talk to me anyway, it's like, you didn't even try, you know, those that, that's overthinking or none of my offers going to get accepted. That's overthinking. And funny thing, the ironic thing is that begin analyzing the process is what stops the overthinking. So there's this misconception. They're the same when actually mm. one stops the other. Mm. Uh, so analyzing actually stops overthinking. And so how would you do that? Well, go ahead and you analyze the wholesale process, you're like, okay, what are the steps, right? Let's talk about, you know, um, agent deals. If you're working with the agent, what are the steps? You know, it's like outreach, collect the deals, comp the deals, analyze the deals, place the offer, offer accepted, dispositions, escrow, closing. There's all the steps. 
put them all together and then you think, all right, so what is, what is the like really kind of the root, like most elemental thing I need to do as a wholesaler? Like really on the elemental level, what does a wholesaler do? Like, what is it? What is a good one? Well, they know what a good deal is. So they can, you can put a property in front of them, like property information, and they'll be able, like, you know, in their market, say, not in all, say in their market, be able to look at it and be like, this is a good deal. A buyer will buy this. This is a desirable um, property for an end buyer based on this price and condition. And this is the price that a buyer would pay for it. Basically know what a good deal is. What, what does a good deal mean? That's, that's one of, that's first thing, right? That's, Absolutely. What wholesalers do is they know what a good deal is for their market. Number two, what they know, um, what, what also is a wholesaler is um, they have a network of cash buyers um, who know that they're that person's cash buyers uh, <laughs> that are, waiting, that are uh, basically uh, there to buy properties from that wholesaler. Sure. And they have a lot of um, buyers and the buyers have specific requests and criteria and the wholesaler writes them down and sells them properties that match. And then the third thing is uh, wholesalers get need to get deals put in front of them so that they can look at them and see if the numbers are good for the buyer. They need to have, so basically it's three things. Get deals in front of your face, be able to see if the deals in front of your face are good, and then be able to have the buyers to buy said deals. <coughs> so if you take each of those three things, the fundamentals, and you don't overthink anything, you just look at it literally, you become a literalist and you say, how do I literally max out each of these three things? How do I? And then, so let's start with it. Let's, so let's, let's go for a deal recognition, right? So I need to go ahead and look at, I need to recognize what a good deal is in this market. It means I need to know market research. I need to know how to I need to have really good research on my market. So I'm like, okay, so I need to know what a good deal looks like and I need to know what it is fast. So what if I go and I network with five to 10 wholesalers in my market that I can meet online or within my real estate community that have done closed a minimum of five deals a month for the last six months in a row consecutively in my market I talked to five to 10 individuals like this that have closed this many deals in my market. These are my market experts. And I can go ahead and um, ask them uh, market research questions because whatever the hell they have to say is probably the right thing because it's working and it's right. the deals. Absolutely. So whatever they have to say, it's important. If they tell you to multiply the ARV by 0.5, do it because clearly it's selling their properties. So how do you, how do you vet these wholesalers then? Cause a lot of wholesalers you talk to will say, well, yeah, I close five to eight deals a month, but how do you vet um, them then? You, you, you kind of know, I mean, it's, especially if it's within a community and you can find their content on YouTube and they're like, uh, and there's usually you can, if they're really that good as they say they are, you'll find a couple people that can be a testimonial. Right. Yep. So yep. like, for example, for me in, in Tampa, you can go and, easily post and ask the group and find 25 wholesalers that have closed a deal with me and be like, yeah, you know, or I've closed seven deals with my mood, nine deals with my mood. Like you can find those people. Um, you can, and then you can, you know, so, and the same thing with a lot of other people in the community, same with, you know, a lot of other people and you can kind of do that. And a lot of times people, you can tell if they know what they're saying or not, but really that's, that's kind of the idea. Um, and you want to just ask them like, what kind of math do you do? right? When, after you get a property's ARV, like after, you know, the ARV is 400,000, what's the price that a buyer should pay? What do you do? Hmm. Do you multiply by 0.6? Do you multiply by 0.7 and then subtract the cost of major repairs? If so, uh, who are you asking for the major repairs? Contractors? Okay, cool. Um, are you subtracting your assignment fee after that? So whatever the heck they tell you, you're like, all right, we're in this now. <coughs> then you survey like, you know, nine other people. And you kind of compare answers and whatever the general consensus is, you know, you kind of go with that. And then, you know, you can also ask the wholesalers, you know, what, what neighborhoods or zip codes right. are the most properties in. And, you know, that can basically be like, 
you know, the most popular areas. And you can say, is there any place that you avoid? So stuff like that, different, you're essentially surveying other people. You can also, um, you know, use tax records to obtain market research data to analyze. You can go ahead and ask these same questions to your buyer. So there's a million different ways that can get you towards the answer of what is a good deal when I see them. Yeah, so that's for good deals. And then for buyers, you know, same thing. You just figure out how to get every buyer. There's a finite number of buyers in your market, by the way. For sure. Oh, yeah. You can. There is such thing oh, as yeah. all of the buyers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you just promote yourself, get deals in front of you, you know, deals. Look at the deals, figure out if they're good, send the good ones to your buyers, and then boom, you can do that 12 to 15 times a week. Like. That's phenomenal. And, and you know, I, I just, I have a feeling that someone's going to be listening to this saying, Mahmood, I, not I've done that. Maybe they think they've done no, that they, in they their head. They, but... they, they will never tell me that because then I'll go ahead and ask them, how many buyers do you actually have? And a buyer is defined as somebody who, um, not an email that you have, but somebody that if you were to <laughs> call them, they will say, oh yeah, you, the person that is, is going to send me a property. Yeah. So I'll ask them, how many of those people do you have? And, and most likely if they say that they, you know, if they're, if, if they haven't done a deal yet and they've been trying everything, they, they most likely don't even have five of these individuals. Yep. So no, I don't, I, 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 I invite anyone to challenge this. I invite it. I welcome it. Literally. I haven't met a person that's done all three things and hasn't succeeded. Have you, have you mm, guys? No, Maybe. not at all. <laughs> I haven't, I have yet to meet that person. And yep. if they claim it, I challenge it. I win. I find out why they're wrong. And I tell them to go do the right thing. I have not met someone who's done it. It's a very simple process. Very easy. Like sophomore year physics was harder like than this process. Like this is way easier. Like oh, it's very, this business is so simple and people, people have, I mean, I've talked to so many wholesalers that they, the strategies or maybe the things that they think of, I'm like, you shouldn't even be thinking of stuff like that. Because well, well, see the thing with business though, the reason that a lot of people do struggle with this is because a lot of people don't come from money. A lot of people had to actually work jobs like, you know, Starbucks and Wendy's and gas stations and stuff like that to support their mom and dad when they were kids. They didn't grow up in the best area. So they don't really know what real money kind of looks like. And they're kind of under this impression that it's kind of not for them and for their families. And so, you know, they can't mentally grasp the concept of them being able to make a lot of money. And so um, it's kind of just this crazy complex in their brains trying to convince themselves whether or not they deserve it and so they self-sabotage um, and they avoid doing the thing that's actually going to make them money but i feel like if it wasn't for that and people genuinely felt like they felt like they were they were um they identified as people that were able to become successful at this and have money um that they would just literally do the things as suggested and do a deal like next week yeah, absolutely <laughs> um, it's a mindset thing for the most part i i think it's only a mind a mindset thing i don't think there's anybody like too dumb to do this i think literally anybody can i don't like i i know some like yeah i don't think anyone is too dumb to wholesale it's pretty much like cooking eggs like yep. you know anyone can do it you, dude, you nailed it. And honestly, that's why we started this podcast, bro. There's so many, there's so many how-to podcasts out there. I learned from how-to podcasts and YouTube videos. That's what I learned to do my first, I did my first deal before I joined Astro. So I, you know, I, I used the 10 grand from that to, to, to get started, but I got all this from free content. Um, the one thing that I was, is I was resourceful enough to, to figure it out and determined enough to not just rely on one person. And so I guess what I was getting at with my with my earlier question was, you know, what do you say to someone who doesn't respond with saying, hey, I've done all that, but just, you know, in their mind, you know how people are, they think they've done it, but then when you break it down, but what do you say to someone who's like, hey, um, okay, so as far as reaching out and, you know, reaching out to 10 people who are doing five to 10 deals um, a month, Mahmood, I just, those people are so busy, you know, it's so hard for me to hear back from them. What do you say to those people? Then, then I, to those people, I say, okay, fine. That was my idea. You don't have to do my idea. My idea is subjective. You want objective fact? Your objective fact is you need to know what a good deal is in your market. Knock yourself out and think of something better because that's mm. what you need to do. There's a million that's different awesome. ways to skin the, same, skin the same cat. Go ahead and figure out what a good deal means in your market and think. Mm. You can be original. It could be your own thing, but that's the objective. Knock yourself you out. 
Bro, you nailed it. And I want to encourage people, you know, Mahmoud just said something uh, earlier to that point. He had mentioned, you know, a lot of people are employees, right? A lot of people come from these backgrounds of not business ownership or their parents didn't do any of this sort of thing. They're used to working a job and a job <laughs> provides you standard, you know, SOPs and show up at this time and do this thing. And, and it almost strips us, you know, this resourcefulness that we have away. And so I just want people to think, look, you're not an employee here you you've got to figure it out it's it's ultimately up to you you cannot re- wait on Mahmood's response you can't wait on this other person's response to move your business along you've got to be proactive and You're take an action entrepreneur. like an entrepreneur is basically like figuring out how to make money with no money and trying to start a company you're starting a business like any other startup you know like being in a co- community and surrounded by people that are also doing it is a privilege not a right you're not entitled to basically copy and paste the trade secrets of another company. We do it because we're nice. We don't do it because we have to. Um, So yeah. What's the greatest lesson you've learned so far in real estate? Oh man. Um, I'd say like, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned in real estate has more to do with, with myself. I think break, I think it's like, it's break, it broke down the illusion of success and wealth and being rich. I think it broke down an illusion for me. Mm. And the illusion to me was that people that are the rooms of people that are very wealthy And um, the work done to become very wealthy is so massive and it's not for everybody and not everyone can be rich and wealthy. And so I kind of, the biggest lesson was that that's definitely wrong. And it was kind of an underwhelming realization that getting, making a lot of money, especially in real estate is pretty easy to the point that it can be like, like, whoa, like <laughs> this has been here the whole time. Why didn't I do this 10 years ago? Like, yep. cause I don't consider myself, you know, particularly lucky. Cause a lot of people would say like, it's luck. I mean, it's like, it's kind of one of those things where it's, you. it's a skill like anything that you just learn how to do it. You get good at it. And, uh, you know, you just keep doing it. So I think it was the illusion. I, it broke down the walls for me that um, the imposter syndrome, I'd say. So it's kind of just like literally the lesson is, you know, I, you can anyone can learn this. You can teach it to anybody. You know, I have a bunch of my buddies that aren't in real estate. I just shoot them a few of my videos and they've done deals like, you right. know, on the weekends and stuff like that. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, that that's good insight. Thank you for that. Um, let me ask you. So, in the in the coming year, right, twenty twenty three is coming up. What are what's something you're concerned about, and what are you excited about? Ooh, that's a good question, man. Um, I'd say one thing that I'm excited about for this upcoming year is kind of like the astro flipping community and kind of like. Um, cause I've kind of seen our community kind of grow since oh, like yeah. 2020, not just grow in people, but grow in value, grow in content, grow in capability, grow in stature. Just it, it's immaculate. You know, I've been around for a while and it's been immaculate how, you know, much it's grown. So I'm excited to kind of see like what's, what everything's going to look like, like, sure this upcoming year like (laughs) what types of rooms are we going to be in what types of people are we going to get to talk to and engage with and uh, what kind of connections are we going to make and where are we all going to go together what's going to happen you know because we're all like a family that's scattered across one country like so true so true i could be in in an airbnb with you in texas in um Aisham in two months for all I know. I don't know that, right? We right. could totally be like if there's an event 100%. there and you're like, hey bro, you need anybody to crash with, we'll do it. Like that's we don't it's just the excitement, the the unknown, the wonder of it all of just being 
of having the community. I'm, I'm super excited for that, what that's going to do. Um, it's just always a fun time. You know, I never know what's going to happen um, in, in, in our world, right? In our rare world where we've, final, we've, we've found kind of the actual get rich quick, like, scheme that actually works <laughs> right yeah no kidding right and it's led by like a, a true you know a just real person human being he's yeah. <laughs> like a college professor but he's rich and has like uh and makes funny videos and right yeah, it's it's awesome you know i mean i'm i'm really excited just where to go with my my real estate family and kind of how that's gonna everything's gonna be um one thing i'm concerned about i think um or not really concerned but just something i need to be aware of is um, basically like what I can do to continue to elevate um, to elevate my um, the amount that the impact that I make. Like, how can we consistently continue elevating an impact, mm. right? So that's why I wanted to come on, you know, agreed to come on this podcast because, you know, I, you know, if, if people catch one nugget from our conversation that goes ahead and sparks an action that. You know, I mean, because everything starts somewhere. This could be the Absolutely. start somewhere for like maybe at least 10 people and think about kind of the collateral impact of that, right? So true. So I'm always thinking about elevating my impact. And so I'm kind of just like watching for opportunities to do that this, this year. So it's kind of a concern slash excitement at the same time. Because I'm that's, so do that's exciting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, and, and I was going to say also... Um, one thing that I've, I've done, cause I do a lot of kind of, um, you know, like outreach within the community and assess, assisting people and helping people, giving them guidance and how to do deals. And I've always kind of adopted this demeanor of kind of, you know, painting the business as being something that is absurdly simple. And it's just, you do one, two, three, and then you're there. And the reason I do that is because it's true. And because I'm trying to break down the wall, people's walls on um, thinking about this as such a grandiose endeavor of wholesaling. So right. I'd rather, because and this is getting philosophical, right? <coughs> a lot of, most human beings respond to um, running from something instead of running towards something. Absolutely. So for example, um, if I, let's say it was December 1st, Aisham, and, um, you know, I told you, um, if you work hard, you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the month. If you work really hard and you close enough deals, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna make a hundred thousand dollars this month. Right. Would you be more, more compelled to say that, um, if to, to, to hit that goal or, or, um, basically, if I told you, Isham, if you don't raise $100,000 this month, um, you're going to be um, homeless. Mm. What's going to affect you a little bit more, the second option or the first one? Uh, if you're asking me, I would say probably the second option. Because there's we, 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 are, we as people, we're more likely to – we're intimidated – by what makes by 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 what's what's um above us but we're scared of going to what's below so sometimes i see and I see being scared of what's below propels you forward yeah right? we'd rather we'd rather run away from pain than run towards pleasure correct and so that is something that i think once you realize that you could actually kind of hack your life around those principles. Um, mm. And so kind of that's a lot, my teaching process and my motivation um, tactics for people are around that. So it's like, instead of, you know, trying to make people think of me as somebody who is, you know, defied all the odds and, you know, you know, I've, I've worked so hard. I'm so smart. I've done all this. Um, what's that going to do to people? If I said it like that, they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, this is, you know, Mahmood is some elite guy. He's not going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do the same. He got lucky or he's a different breed or, you know, um, sure. But what if I came in from the angle of, um, Hey guys, I'm not that smart. This is something a chimp can do. 
if you can't do it, then uh, I don't know about all that. And then the audience will be like, what do you mean, buddy? Of course I can do it. See, I did a deal. Like that's more likely kind of, it's almost like the fear of being inferior rather than the anticipation of being great. And so Uh, you kind of spin it like that. People are like, everyone's done a deal but me. Of course I can do it. You know, I just need to catch up. And so that's where friendly competition comes in as well. I mean, there's a few wholesalers I work with in the Tampa area where, you know, the difference between, you know, seven and 10 deals um, for us is usually like the other three come from, you know what, we're going to sell this before them. They can't do more deals than us. (laughs) I mean, just go, go away. Like, you know, it's a friendly fire and stuff like that. So it's, it's uh you're still going ahead but it's kind of like you're 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 you don't have to kind of be in hero mode all the time to win gotcha you know what i mean you don't have to be like i'm going to slay the dragon you can always be like no i'm just going to you know run from the lion until i accidentally impale the dragon as i'm running from the lion (laughs) i love that perspective man um that's that's fascinating um i'm curious um how how do you measure success oof um i mean what is success right success is saying hey is feeling I want this, I'm worthy of this, and then working hard and defying odds to attain this, right? So success is either doing or not doing that in any regard in any field of life. So Hmm. for example, if, um, do I consider myself as a success? Um, Certain things and certain things not yet, right? Like, um, you know, um, and just because you're not successful doesn't mean you've, you're just not successful yet, right? You're in progress. You know what I mean? And sometimes people, they, they tend to, uh, um, they tend to like the progress bar might hit 30 and they'd be like, I didn't succeed yet. So I failed. It's like, no, right. Right. Bars at 30. So chill, you know? So it's basically the, uh, the attainment of like, did I set out to do this and did I get it? So it's like, it's either you succeed or your success in progress. The only way you don't succeed is if you, if you abort mission, you know, what mm. I mean? abort. No, I'm not doing that anymore. Dude. I like that. That's, that's yeah, that, that's a good one. That's I, I haven't heard that one. one yet. Usually it's, it's very specific, you know, sex success is this or that. I love that. It's just, it's ongoing, you know, it's not giving up. It's not quitting. That's, that's, that's how you measure success. You stay in the game. And you, and you, it's, it's funny. Like, I think during my time doing real estate, I've actually learned more about myself and about the human mind and about my life than I have in any of the, you know, seven years of college education I've had. So true. Sure. And it's because I, for the first time, I really felt what it was like in my life to be working towards something, failing, being like, fuck this, this sucks. I can't do deals. I don't know what to do. All right, cool. I'm going to keep going anyway. Oh, man, I failed again. Shit. All right, I'm going to keep going everything. Keep going anyway. All right, I'm going to go, you know, grab a beer. I'm, you know, I hate this. Uh, I'm going to go and do something else. I don't, I, I need a break from wholesaling. I might not be able to do this. Maybe I should go back to do my PhD. Screw this. Uh, I'm going to wholesale a couple more deals, whatever. You know what? I hate this. It sucks. I never want to comp again. I hate deals. I hate everything. Why did Jamil sign me up for this? They just want to take my money. Fuck Astro Flipping. And then, you know what, I'm going to comp a couple more deals. And you're just going through that process. And then fast forward months and months and months and months and months of that same resilience of being like, and resilience sometimes can mean you say, fuck it for a couple of weeks or for a couple of days. And I don't want to do this shit. But guess what? You get back on the bike. So true. You can temporarily feel like I hate everything. But did you lose? Not if a couple of days later you're back on the bike. So true. And so for the first time in my life, I, I felt what it's like to have that fucking level of frustration. And then several months later being like, I did it. I, <laughs> did it. I actually did it. I said in the beginning, I was going to do five deals a month and make, you know, over $40,000 a month. 
And then for like almost six months, seven months, almost a year, none of that shit happened. And I was fucking, I felt like my life was over because I had given up such a promising future for this crap. And then after all of that, hard work, hard work, hard work, hard work. I was like, actually, it did it. Hard work pays off is not a cliche. I thought it was. It actually is. (laughs) Fucking did it. What? (laughs) The first time getting to experience that viscerally, that, that that was pretty cool. Because uh, I've never be- experienced that feeling before. The feeling of really being tormented by my own human suffering of trying to make something work and the underwhelming short-term results and the lack of instant gratification. And then seeing it over to the other side being like, I won. I've never done that before. And so mm. having done that, I think that was kind of the coolest thing that's ever that I've ever experienced. Well, like, Looking back on that experience, I guess, you know, from a macro perspective, what do you think it was that you overcame? Oh, um, I think. I mean, that's a lot of stuff, man. Sure. A lot of stuff. It's, it's not one thing. It's well, because it, it's mental. And then it's 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 like. Because it's it's. You've developed the resilience to keep going, right? But you've also put yourself in a position where you're forced, like I overcame my own, so many like challenges in terms of the actual work. Like, you know, I I decided to, I overcame, I think, let let me go back to that question. You said on a macro level, what is it that you overcame? Right. I didn't know how to close five deals a month. And then I did. Mm. So I learned everything that goes along with that. I learned how to do the processes, how to do the systems, how to think about things step-by-step, how to go ahead and talk to buyers. I learned how to ask for questions, go for resources. I became resourceful. I became, I put myself in a position where I knew that if there, if I didn't know the answer, that there was an answer out there somewhere. And it was my responsibility to search for it. And if I didn't search for it, I was just being lazy and it's my fault. Right? Yep. So So if there's an, if you can't figure out something, there's an answer for it. And if you can't find that answer, that's not anybody's problem. It's yours. Well, bro, I mean, that was really the, the, that sort of, kind of that exact lesson, that lesson was kind of what I needed to overcome. I think there's totally an answer, you know, if it's solvable, you can solve it. Like right now, if all the car repair places in the country just went out of business and I needed to change the engine of my Mercedes and I had to do it myself, might take me a year, but I'll do it. Like I'll figure it out. Absolutely. Get, that, get the manual. I'll translate it from German to English. I'll go to page one and I'll start reading, underlying, <laughs> highlighting on the manufacturing websites, ordering all the parts, getting the little crane thingy that pulls the engine out and cranking it up, putting it on the side, getting a new crane, putting the new engine, like all that stuff, where to hook everything up, like all engine shit. There's probably mechanics that are going to watch this be like, well, <laughs> like he cars, missed it so all. Shut up. <laughs> but. Yeah. So like, you know, it's like if you, if there's an answer to be, if, there, if there's an answer that exists, then it's possible for you to find it. Absolutely. And anything less than that is your laziness. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's just, that's now where the inner game comes in. And we already talked about that. hundred percent, dude. Yeah. And, that, and that's the beauty of it, man, that, you know, to repair the engine, like you said, you know, yeah, you could probably look up a YouTube video or just hit pause and play a bunch and do all the work, but you've got to go buy all this equipment. You got <laughs> to have some sort of skill set. You got to have some sort of, of ownership for the, of the experience. Absolutely. And then in, in our world, it's all just in between your ears. 
there's there's li- literally you can use every free resource out there to go get a deal. That's what I did and pay a dollar. I used all the free resources. I didn't have to go rent anything or do anything. I just, just but but it was all in between the years. So Mamoon, thank you. Thank you so, so much for your time on this, brother. And as we as we land this show, I know I gotta kick you out of here. You're uh you're we're coming up on, on your hard out time. So thank you so much for, you're for fine, giving man. us. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Well well thank you again for for giving us your yes, time. Thank uh, you. I do want to ask you one, one question in closing, and this one, it's your opportunity to you know, stand on, on a soapbox. It doesn't have to be anything real estate specific, um, but it is kind of a deep and, and vague question. But I want to, I want to just leave the audience uh, with this message from you. Um, what is your message to the world? Um, don't feel sorry for yourself. And just if you want to do something, figure out how to do it. Just, just do it. You know, you're, no one really cares about you. They kind of care about themselves. So anything you do, you're either helping or shortchanging yourself. So don't feel sorry about yourself. If you want a great life, create one. I love Damn, it. that's so good. I love it. <laughs> we need to clip that last 10 seconds and like that's <laughs> our promo for all of our podcasts. Mahmood, bro, thank you so much, man. Obviously, people are going to want to reach out to you and, and get your help that you've so you know graciously offered to us and some of the audience. So where can people uh, get in touch with you at? And where, what markets uh, are you working? I know you mentioned Tampa, but if you'll just let the audience know that, it'd be awesome. Yep, yep. Uh, I work in the Central Florida market. Um, so if you have deals, send them to deals at snapflip.net, deals at snapflip.net. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, if you want, find me on Instagram um, at the REI engineer. Um, yeah, hit me, shoot me a follow. Um, uh, I have a VA that sorts through my DMs and, you know, gives me a report of them every week or so. So I'm not really active on DMs, but enjoy my content. You know, I post some good stuff on there. Um, and yeah. Awesome, brother. Well, Mahmood, thank you again so much uh, for your time, man. It's been an honor and a pleasure having you on here. And uh, Tanner, you, anything anything to say to the man before we bounce? No, I mean, he had a ton of good good mindset stuff. Uh, I think there's a lot of nuggets, like you had mentioned earlier, I think there's a lot of nuggets that a lot of people are going to be able to take from this. And like you said, even if it impacts one person or 10 people or 100 people, um, I think this is a good episode to where this is one that newbies are going to want to listen to because I feel like a lot are going to be able to relate to a lot of the things you had discussed so um you did a great job absolutely absolutely mamu thanks again brother and we'll uh we'll see hopefully we'll we'll have you back on another episode man for in another you know six months a year from now for an awesome update for sure thank you this is this is this is fun absolutely like i'm always happy to do this awesome brother i'm glad we enjoyed it thanks again for your time and guys we'll see you on the next episode take care peace what up elite fam that's a wrap for today's episode but look if you got value out of the show today do us a huge favor and give us a review or give us a like or subscribe do all the things to help us get the word out there and look we want to see you on the next show so get out there and crush it make it happen stay tuned for the next episode peace